And today we're going to talk about being family and kids matter. Kids matter. And just like we have a storybook picture of what our marriage is going to look like once we're married and it don't turn out that way, we have this picture about what our kids are going to be like, 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 like that first diaper ain't going to stink, like it's going to be this little body that I brought home with me, and I'm going to nurture it, and I'm going to love it, and it's going to love me, and we're going to have great times, and then you're up at 4 o'clock a.m., and you can't get this baby to stop crying. <laughs> I can remember our oldest, the only thing, and y'all might think I'm lying, but the only thing that we could do to keep her from crying at 4 o'clock in the morning was sing Michael Jackson songs. <laughs> no other song worked. It had to be Michael Jackson, it had to be the ee's and all of that. <laughs> she would not sleep. You bust into a nursery rhyme, uh-uh, that ain't working. Went down the CD Rolodex, but when you stopped at Michael Jackson, the king of pop, that child would just, <laughs> Now, I love the king of pop. I love Michael Jackson. I love Michael Jackson, his music. But listen here, at 4 o'clock a.m., I ain't trying to be singing his discography. I ain't trying to shamon. Mama say, Mama sa, Mama kusa. <laughs> that time of morning. And so we have this picture of the fam, um, of what, what kids should be like, what they should grow up to be like. And a lot of times we impose our views and our vision on those kids. And experts around the country have been uh, talking about what does, it, what, what does it look like when kids turn. 18, 19 years old, and they go off to college, and we're seeing staggeringly that kids are walking away from their faith at that age. And so what can we do as a church? What can we do as parents? How should we be living our lives now knowing that that time is coming? Uh, we recently started doing the Orange Curriculum here at our church, and one thing that the Orange Curriculum does is they give, uh, they used to do it, it's on the app now, and we'll talk about that in, in, in the service a little more, but they used to give parents these big jars of marbles, and each marble represented a week in that child's life until they hit 18 years old, and they asked the parents to each week take one marble out of one jar and displace it, and so over time, you're going to see that, that, that the marbles are getting the they're decreasing, and you have a limited amount of time to invest and pour into this child before this child hits the world. Now, I'm not going to say that there's not a such thing as adult parenting. Me and my wife, we're learning that right now after 23 years of marriage uh, and having adults that live in your home, huh? 24 years of marriage, 23 years. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. What I was meaning to say uh, is... 23 years of parenting. It is a parenting sermon today. Sorry. Um, sorry. 23 years of parenting. That's what I meant to say. Um, it's challenged. I had a challenge just yesterday. Like, you say stuff to your kids at times, and you don't mean what you say, and you're careless with your words, and you break, and you damage your kids, and you don't know it, and we just get careless with our parenting. Because at first, little boo-boo, I was so proud of being a parent. I brought him home from the hospital. I was so proud of this life. And then at age two, and some of us before even two hit, it's like, I don't know what to do with this little person. And in our American culture, in our American culture, we say, once you turn 18, you out of here. And we do the countdown to when they're out of here. But if we're going to do that as parents, we need to understand that at 18, when they hit the world, if we haven't equipped them to live a life of faith, 
then overwhelmingly and staggeringly, they're going to walk away from the church. And so today we're going to talk about kids. And when I use the word kids, kids are, well, I'm going to define kids as birth to 12th grade. Birth to 12th grade. And for college age and up, we're going to refer to them as young adults. I, some parents in the room are parent in college age. You know, I don't really know about all that. But young adults. We have the stat on the screen. It says that experts are estimating that 70 to 80% of college age students are walking away from their Christian faith. 70 to 80% of college age students are walking away from their Christian faith. And so it begs the question, did they even have faith in the first place? Did we train them? Did we cultivate them? Did we coach them on how to live out their faith? And if you're sitting in the room right now and say, well, I'm not a parent, this sermon ain't for me. No, 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 no. You have a part in this as well. And we're going to talk about that later. So some of you guys, you guys know I came up like, like most a lot of pastors do. I came up and I did children's church and then I did, God, I'm drawing a blank on it. It was so traumatic. You pastor, thank you so much. <laughs> That you pastor for many years. I had this. I had this youth ministry. Uh, it was called Designed by Fire. Designed. You know, you got to give your youth ministry a nice little name. And oh Lord, were we designed by fire? And my whole purpose, uh, uh, or the purpose of God, had, had placed it within me and my wife as we youth ministered was to teach these kids about their destiny, their identity, and their purpose in Christ. And I had this little thing dip. You know. Yeah, it was cool. It was cool. So what you do when you're a pastor, you just make up stuff that sounds good. And it's like, woo! But it's overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly, as kids were graduating, I would see this statistic come true. And I would see these kids who grew up in the church, and I've seen them since they were little bitties. They would grow up, and then they would just go off, and they would do all these things. And I was perplexed in my faith, and I would go back to my pastor, and I'm like, listen, I don't understand this. Like, I don't understand this. And I would go to elders in the church. I'm like, I don't understand this. Like, I know I'm pouring into them every Wednesday night all that I got, and I'm teaching them, and they're being trained, and I don't get why there is not sticking. And the response was, they got it. They got it. They're going to come back. They're going to come back. And I haven't done that in, I don't know how many years I haven't been a youth leader uh, uh, to full degree. I do it even now. To the, but I look back on some of those kids, and some of those kids never came back. And some of you sitting in the seats right now, you know kids who grew up in a church, and they never come back. And so it sent me on this, 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 this journey to study. And so I have all these statistics for you this morning. And if you don't like statistics, I'm sorry. Come back next week. We won't have that many statistics. And all these researches and all these things and all the real life experience. And I think that I've come up, uh, not I've come up. I think God is going to share with us this morning out of the abundance of who he is, how we can, how we can decrease that number. See, faith is always a personal journey. And so it, people are going to walk away from the faith. But this right here, this don't make no sense. And we see it in churches, like, 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 like churches will last for 10 years, 20 years, and by the time a church is 20 years old, the average member in the church is 60 years old. And churches are aging. They're not growing younger. And so that means that there is a monkey on the line. We are failing our kids somewhere. 
And at Northeast Community Church, that's one of the reasons, one of our values is to be a next generation church because, because we see this statistic. And we understand that we have to invest in our kids. They have to be important to us. And so what we were seeing in the next slide, it says, our actions show what we believe and our kids have a crisis of faith. Well, they, they know the Lord. Well, their actions don't show that they know the Lord. There was a study that they, they, they did back in the day, probably 2002 sometime, I was still you passing at the time, and there was, um, there was one called Beyond Belief to Convictions. And the whole notion of it was that people say they believe something, but until their actions at the peak show up and be visible, then you really don't believe what you say you believe. And so I did this, it was a national survey, and it had all these statistics, like how, it was like 65% of Christian, these were Christian kids that were interviewed, 65% of Christian kids believed that Jesus died, but they didn't believe that he rose from the dead. Something like 65% of uh, Christian teens thought that sex was okay outside of the context of marriage. And I was sitting there going, oh my God, and I, the numbers are probably higher now, this is 2002, and so I said, oh my God, like, 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 but surely this is not my youth group. So we're going to do a blind survey. We took all the questions that were on the survey, and we said, listen, we, nobody knows who's, 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 who's filling out what. I wasn't uh, as much of a tech guy as I was back then, and so I put these forms, and I put the forms in front of them. I said, just turn them in. We're not going to analyze handwriting or nothing. Just turn them in, and so all the kids, they filled out these forms, and I went, and as I was tallying them, I was like, you know, okay, that's one. <laughs> not the rest of them. I know these kids. Okay, two of them. Okay, what, what? And the numbers lined up with the earlier number that I showed that these kids were prone or, 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 or primed to walk away from the faith. And I believe that that's on us. We talk about going out and making disciples, but there are disciples that sleep 10 feet away from your bedroom. There are disciples that get on your last nerve because they always ask why. And the challenge is you don't know why, so you get frustrated when they ask you why, because you don't know why. You say, because I told you so. <laughs> That's why. And we're failing our kids. But research continues to show that the number one indicator of a child's future faith is predicated on their parents' faith. Research have shown. And so what they did was they took the 20%. They went nationwide on this one, uh, on this one um, the Fuller Youth Institute. What they did was they went nationwide and they interviewed all these kids who were college age and still actively involved in their church. So the 20%, they interviewed the 20% and they asked them, what were the things that drove your faith and created a faith in you that you didn't walk away like the rest of them? And the number one thing was their parents' faith. I sit and I watch my mama read her Bible and go to church. But not only that, I watch my mama walk it out. I watch my daddy walk it out. I saw my mama and my daddy struggle through hard times. I saw when they yelled at each other, but then they got together and repented. Because families are messy. Read the Bible for one second and you will see there is not a single family in there. Even Jesus' family, the family that Jesus came from was jacked up. They could make a Netflix special and everybody will watch it and you just don't tell them it's the Bible. Just tell them that it's the people and people are going to watch it because it's salacious. It's all that stuff that goes on. Everybody's jacked up. Oh my God, I love it. 
And these are the people that Jesus came out, prostitutes. David, not only was he an adulterer, he was a murderer after he adultered. Selling brothers, because daddy liked them better. Like, this is the stuff that good TV shows are made out of. And we show up here, and we try to act like everything's together, and we try to groom and manicure our kids, and we give them the best clothes, and we give them the best, and we give them all this stuff, and on the inside, there's something just, 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 just stirring on the inside of them that eventually is going to snap, and they're going to end up doing what they're going to do because you haven't spent time and invested in them. So we sign them up for every, uh, every soccer league and everything, and we're going to give them the best. We're going to give them the best this. We're going to give them the best this. We're going to give them the best this. We're going to give them the best of everything, but we don't give them the best thing that they could ever ask for, and that's a relationship with Christ. And so as a disciple and as a parent, we got work to do. And so, if you turn with me in Deuteronomy chapter 6, you say, oh Lord, you're going to Deuteronomy to teach me how to be a parent? These principles are all throughout the Bible. I think Deuteronomy 6 just gives it to us succinctly in one place, but we can look all throughout the Bible where Jesus said, listen, Jesus walked into a culture where kids were second nature and kids were second hand, and Jesus said, no, 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 don't stop the kids from coming to me. The kingdom of heaven is for such as these. The Bible teaches us to train up a child in the way that they should go. And when they're older, it won't depart from them. And so if they're departing from them, maybe we're not training them up correctly. Maybe they see us here, and then they see us there, and they go, mm-mm, I don't want to be a hypocrite. It's not really working for mama and daddy, so I'm not really going to, mm-mm. One of the best things that I think that my wife, is, is, this is my wife's wisdom, it's not my wisdom. One of the best things that I think my wife has introduced to our household uh, 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 when it comes to parenting is admitting to the kids when we're wrong. Listen, daddy blew it. Mama blew it. I'm sorry. I'm a worm. Forgive me. Because we'll do, we'll do our kids wrong and put our feet in the sand and I'm the daddy though. You're just going to have to suck it up. 20 years later and 45 counseling sessions later, they're still dealing with it. How can they see a good father in God if they can't see a good father at home? Deuteronomy 6. And I, 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 and I, I listen, listen, I don't want to jump on a high horse right now. I blow it all the time as a dad. <laughs> as a husband, as a dad, as a pastor. But it's not about the mistakes. Our salvation is not about sin management. It's about relationship. Deuteronomy 6, 1. It says, now this is the commandment. The statutes and the rules that the Lord, the, the Lord your God commanded me to teach you that you may do them in the land in which you are going over to possess it. Now, God had promised Israel the promised land. And so from Deuteronomy 6 through the rest of Deuteronomy, God has given them the rules and the regulations of how they're supposed to possess the land because they're supposed to be a unique people amongst the nations. And God has promised them this. He says, now, when you go in here, you need to act accordingly. And so this is God being a good father. Just like you, when you hit the grocery store, you know we talk about this all the time. Listen, when we're going here, it's stressful enough that your mama got me at the grocery store. Don't you ask for nothing. You sit in that cart. Don't you touch nothing. I don't want to be here. 
The kids still buy grocery store toys. I ain't been to, like, my kids are older. I look at them toys, and I'm like, why would a child want this? Because it's shiny, and they're in the grocery store. It's shiny, and they're in the grocery store. All this bread and food, and, uh, whoa, that's a $6 toy that costs 10, 10 cents to make. Never mind. I'm, that's a rabbit trail. But God commanded, he said, when you go in here, this is how you're going to act, because you're my covenant children. He says, that you may fear the Lord your God and your and your son and your son's son by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life and that your days may be long. He says, listen, you're going to generationally serve me when you go into the land. Not only you, your son and your son's son. Listen, we need to understand this. Christianity is always one generation from going extinct. Now, I believe that the church will persevere, and I don't think that will happen. But you see nations like Europe where, where, where like, it's just godless. Well, somebody forgot to fan the flame. Someone forgot to light the, the lamp, and they just let the, 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 the candle go out. And so we have to be cognizant. We have to be diligent. While we're in there having a good Holy Ghost time, oh, I love you, Lord. And our kids are reaching up, and we pop them. What kind of message is that just sent to that child? You're a good, good father. You're on my nerves. Pop you in church. Peaching your child in church because you don't want them to embarrass you. Oh, I wish I had a witness in here. <laughs> you chewing gum in church? And the kids are sitting there going, this don't compute. I don't see nowhere in the Bible where I can't chew gum in church. No, but you distracted me popping that gum. Anybody had to pop popping that gum? And the kids are like, as soon as I'm old enough, I'm out of here. Because these folks are crazy. They singing songs, I understand. They raising hands and loving the Lord, like I understand. They don't live like this at home, and they popping, they pinching, they yelling in church. Jesus, you are my peace. But I ain't got peace for 15 minutes with this child that I done brought into this world. And the child is sitting there going, I didn't even ask to be here. <laughs> Take me now, Jesus. <laughs> but you're going to learn to fear the Lord and your sons and your sons. So the, child, the problem is we haven't properly learned to fear the Lord. And so our kids aren't learning to properly fear the Lord. So parents, we have a, we, 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 we have a big job. I got to move. It says, hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that, I may go, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in the land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 4, hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Five, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your heart. Might. If you don't know, this is when the, the, uh, the teacher came to Jesus and he asked him, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus is just quoting this. And in light of all these rules, he's saying, listen, I know there's a lot of rules when you go in the land, but here's the thing. You need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. In other words, you need to love the Lord with all your being. You need to love the Lord with all you got. I know you can't love your wife or your husband the way with all you got, but listen, you need to love the Lord with all you got, with everything that you can muster up. You need to love the Lord that way. In your parenting, you need to love the Lord like that. You need to love the Lord with everything you got. And I believe if, if, if our children 
Well, see, us as parents, loving the Lord with all we got, I think our kids will be impacted by that in their lives. As it showed by this survey, 20% said, I saw it in my house. Parents, you are the number one discipler of your kids. And we need to understand that. Listen, God has, I said last year, he has given us this automatic sanctifying measure in our homes with our spouse. Oh, my goodness. Kids will sanctify you. Yes, they will. They will try every bit of patience that you got. Lord, love is patient. And that kid's sitting there, and you got the Cheerio bowl. And you don't throw that on the ground again. You little individual. If I didn't see that commercial when I was a kid that said, don't shake a child, you'd be shaking right now. I would shake your little brain loose right now. Oh, my, my mama used a boy. She used to whip you. You'd be like, oh, Lord, the Lord, Lord heard your cry, huh? Okay. You need to hear my cry right now. My arm's out of socket. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Listen, he's given all these rules, but he's saying, listen, these commandments I'm giving you, it's not about the rules. It's about your heart. And God has given us these commandments, not about just do this, do that, because he's trying to work on our heart. That's why Jesus said, do these two things. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. You do all that, all these other rules will take care of themselves. We, don't, we worry about the rules because we don't want to work on our heart. See, when our kids make us angry, listen, it's done got personal now. It ain't even about what you did no more. Now it's about you disrespecting me and I'm the boss. I'm the king around here. You know how hard I work? To keep these lights on, they're three years old. They don't have no concept of working through lights. They have no concept of working lights. And then when they get old enough, they become teenagers, and they can articulate back. Oh, my goodness. We don't turn away. My, 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 wife, just, my, my wife just coached me on this one. We don't turn away words or wrath with kindness. We don't do that. And we know it's a biblical principle. Why are you yelling? Because you're yelling. I wouldn't be yelling if you weren't yelling. You started all this. This little person been on the planet 12 years. They don't know no better. What can you know you've been on the planet 12 years? Six of them you don't even remember. Now, all this theology is built up in this six years of your life, and you're speaking to me. Listen, listen, listen. I'm going to have to say something to you, and I'm going to have to repeat it to you. I'm going to have to repeat it to you. See, the problem is we don't have to repeat ourselves. Because we want, we want, we want, we want to just say it, and we just want them to get it. I've been telling you since you was 12 years old, you 18 years old now, you should got it by now. And since you're 18, you can get out, because the government ain't going to make me take care of you no more. How many times does God have to tell you? God do that to me all the time. How many times I done told? Boy, you look at the Holy Spirit on my head right now. And our kids are walking away from the faith. And I'm telling you all of this, not, not out of just this powerful revelation, but out of mistakes. Don't look at my kids now because they're some good kids. Don't, don't, don't follow my example of parenting. I don't blew it. Like, these are outliers right here. 
like, <laughs> like, like, don't follow, like, okay, try it if you want to. I've blown it many a times. Many a times. He says in verse 7, you shall teach them diligently, your children, and shall talk, you shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in the house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your forehead, and you shall be as, they shall be as frontlets on your eyes. Golly. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. He's basically saying that effective parents teach their kids to trust God. Effective parenting, you teach your kids to trust God. He's saying, listen, listen, you're going to go in the land. I'm going to give you all this stuff. And here's the thing. Consistently, consistently spend time with your child. He said when you lay down, when you wake up, when you go to sleep, he said write it on your forehead. I don't know about you getting a tattoo on your forehead, but he said it, 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 it was different back then. He said keep it before the frontness of your eyes. He said write it on the doorpost of your house. He said teach them, govern them, teach them the way that they should go, not just show up at church on Sunday and throw them, in, throw them into a youth group. I get, you know, as a former youth pastor, they used to get me so angry. People used to come at me, uh, you need to talk to your, uh, your boy. That's, no, that's your son. Well, he just, he just, you just need to talk to him. Hold on, time out. If I can recall correctly, because I take attendance, your child ain't been here in three months. How do I have a relationship with him that you're just going to drop him off to me and now go out to lunch with him and fix him? After you've been breaking him all week. Fix it. Because innately, we understand inside of us that we should be applying these things to our life and we should be having our kids and we should, and we should be growing them and we should, and, and so the easy fix is to, is, to, is to take them to the church. When I was at a larger church, a mega church, if you will, I saw parents dropping kids off and driving out the parking. Nobody ever knew. They finna go have brunch. They don't drop off their kids because their kids need Jesus. I talk to people on the street. Yeah, I need to find a place because my kids need a place. No, 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 no. You need a place to grow so that you can then grow your kids. Now, this church, we will take our responsibility. We will create environments, fall retreats, and Sunday nights. We will do things to help come alongside you, but we can't do it for you. Listen, we will come alongside you. I will talk to your kids. We will go out to lunch, and we have youth leaders, and they will do stuff, and, we will, and we're going to see a little bit more of that later. But listen, we cannot do it for you. You have to engage in your child's life. And too many times, the most spiritually immature person in the house runs the house. I don't want to do it. Well, she, I ain't going to force no faith on them. Then you better put it before their eyelids. <laughs> it's got to be their own faith. It's going to be their own faith after I give it to them. <laughs> I tell my kids, even now, they, 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 some of them are older. They be getting jobs and stuff. Well, I got a new job. Tell them you ain't working on Sundays. Or well, if you do work on Sunday, it ain't going to be between 11 o'clock and 3 o'clock. Tell them day one. And on the interview, oh, by the way, I can't work Sundays. Why? Because that's the day you're growing. That's the day you have youth. That's the day you do. Listen, listen. No, no, baby. You can't, you can't keep that job. Now, some of them are even adults now, and they just will tell me, I'm, you can't tell. But they still have that in them. Why? Because they understand that it's time for the Lord here. And so effective parents teach their kids 
to trust God. I had this one lady come up to me. She's like, man, I really want to come to your church. But man, Sundays, ooh, man, I'm just driving the kids here and they going there and they doing, I'm like, they doing all that on Sundays. They can do it on Saturday, they can do it on Thursday, they can do it on Friday night. But yeah, my kids, I, I, just, I just need somebody. Listen, I'm not going to have the equity to pour into them if they're not getting, like they don't, like, like you're just going to drop them off on a Wednesday and talk to them? It's your responsibility. Look at this, look at this slide. I really want to see what this word is dissected. It says, you shall love the Lord. Not the pastor shall. You shall love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall teach your children. What does diligently mean? Diligently means God needs to be made top priority in your kid's life. That's what it means. You shall diligently teach them. You shall be on top of that. Somebody gave you a $5,000 rebate, you were diligently going to get your money. But our children's lives, they hang in the balance, and we're more concerned with getting our kids in the Ivy League schools. We're more concerned with getting our kids to the point where they can make a good living than to the point where they can live. Some of these statistics show that these kids that go off to college engage in drinking the moment that their parents are on over their, on the, over their shoulder. And so what did it mean? It was always in them to want. But now they ain't got nobody to wake up and tell them to go to church on Sunday. There are actually campus ministries that try to engage with kids. Hear this. This is crazy. This is a crazy statistic. In the first 24 to 48 hours, some of these ministries can determine how a child's college life is going to go. Because they make up in their mind before they get there what they're going to do. And we're called to make disciples. What else does diligently mean? It means you must prioritize time spent with your kids. Well, I know it said all that in the handbook. We love, we love practicing making babies. And then when the baby came, I'm going to have to spend, listen, did y'all see what? That, it said when you wake up, when you go to sleep, when you're at lunchtime, spend time diligently teaching your children. That's an all-day affair. And especially the, 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 the moms with the younger kids, you know it's all day. The older they get, the less you spend time with them because they get cars and they get friends and they go do stuff. But when they little bitties, it's an all-day thing. And studies are showing that the li- their lives are impacted even before they turn two years old. Not necessarily for faith, but the way that they're taught to. The way that they learn to communicate. The way that they learn to experience love. All before two years old. Some of you might be saying, well, I done blew it. Listen, God is a redeemer of time. It's not too late. But you got to get involved in your kid's life. Look at this. Time available to disciple our kids. The church on, our, on average has 40, 40 hours a year to invest in your children. And people are putting, putting all their, their marbles on, I'm taking my child to church. I've had, I've, I've, had, I've had parents say, you know, we just need a good youth program. And I don't get, listen, we try to do an excellent youth program. And, and, and I think the kids like it. But here's the thing. That's not enough. Because as much 
as we have fun here on Sunday night, as much as they have fun back there on Sunday morning, we can't compete with Fortnite. Fortnite is fun. We can't compete with the Disney Channel or whatever your kid is into. We can't compete with soccer and basketball and travel teams. We can't compete with that because that's just like, 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 it's going to have to be more than that. 40 hours a, not a week, a year. You say, well, that's 52 hours in a year. But listen, you got to understand, some kids don't come every Sunday. Travel time, fifth Sundays. 40 hours a year. Average parent. 3,000 hours per year. Who's going to make the bigger impact? Look at this next one. I, I, I cut the 3,000 uh, hours because that greatly decreases with age. That's like maybe about 1,200 hours a year when your kids turn teenagers and start working and start playing football and start doing all these other things. Some of us are lucky to see our, our kids two hours a day. We don't have much time, and time is ticking. 